You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. This is episode 24 of the Horizons Church Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Josiah. And today we're back again with Pastor Steve. This past weekend, we launched a series called Stolen, right? Stolen. Yep, and Stolen. We're looking at engaging some uh, secular arguments that uh, the new atheists are using to try to say God doesn't exist Correct. and evolution is true. Right. Um, we're engaging these secular arguments and we're, we're kind of coming at it from the angle that in an ironic twist, these atheists that are using these arguments are actually stealing principles that can only be true if there is right, a God right. in order kind of to try like, to disprove God, right? That's catch-22. Yeah. Oh, by the way, are using yes. God's stuff to argue against God. Yes, right. Yeah. So it's very, very ironic. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of engaging that in the sermon series. Today, though, we kind of want to talk about some uh, different theories and arguments um, that have to do specifically with origins, the Correct. origins of the universe, origins of man, that we're kind of approaching from the idea not that, oh, here are these secular arguments that atheists are using to argue against a creator, a God. Right. But we're going to come at it and say, no, we're assuming that there is a God, that the Bible is true specifically. Right. Right. And what does that mean for right. how we interpret, you know, the data that's available to us and how we view uh, the origins of the universe, of mankind, uh, those sorts of things. So I think just to kind of get us teed off here, so that way we're all talking on the same playing field and we all know where we're we're standing. I think it's safe to say that the new atheists don't just not believe in God, but as we hinted at, they also have to explain how the universe came into right. if being. There's no God, how did this how did the universe come to exist? Right. So yeah. if there's an absence of God, then what was present that brought everything that we see and know in the universe into being? So we kind of want to yeah, elucidate that yeah. a little bit, talk through that a little bit. What we dealt with this week and this weekend is that that's a huge problem as far as how the process begins. begins. And in this week's message, we deal with causality, that you've got to have either someone creating something out of nothing or nothing creating something out of nothing. Right. <laughs> but for the new atheists, they are saying there is no God and we don't need him because what we have is an evolutionary process that it was described by Charles Darwin, and that accounts for all of physical reality, and there is no reality beyond the physical reality. There is no God. Humans don't have souls and uh, things like that. So in that world where you say the Bible is not true, there is no God, you don't need a God, evolution answers all your all your questions, then then you're saying, well, how does that work? Well, there had to be a some kind of a miraculous beginning of which there is no explanation of how all material began, space began, time began, natural laws. There were no laws. There right. were no laws of nature. Uh, how did all that begin? There is no answer to that in evolution. But once the process starts, you're saying, well, how does it move from simple life to complex life? Yeah. And Darwin's theory was that life has within it the ability to vary right and left. And as it varied right and left, within its tracks... Mm -hmm. There were small random variations that were kept that were good for the for the creature. The bad ones were, whether it's plants or animals, had the ones that got the bad random variations died. The ones that got the good random variations kept lived. living. Yeah. yeah, and then they those little bitty variations created bigger variations, and then it branched out and and um, 
simple life became complex life, and complex life became fish life, and fish life became amphibian life, and amphibian life became mammal life, and mammal life became bird life, and on and on it goes until you get to man. So for that to happen in an evolutionary model, by their model, they're saying for that to happen, you need millions and millions, millions and I mean hundreds of millions of years, not not a few thousand years. You need 500, 600 million years to go from simple life to the complex life of, of human beings. And of course, it's filled with that whole process trying to explain that as a problem, but that's their theory. Right. And thus, when you deal with evolution, any evolutionary system is saying that the world is billions of years old and life has been on this world for half a billion years or more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're working with some pretty uh, pretty huge numbers. I mean, I, I think about that. That's I can't even wrap my head around that. Numbers, you know, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that's, those are things that those are pretty out there. And I think what you're saying is if you believe that, like, I mean, if you come to the the scientific table and you ascribe to this theory that there was an evolutionary process and that's what led us from, you know, a primordial soup to the complex, you know, life of humanity and animals and fish, birds. You're going to come to that with a certain set of biases that you're going to say. Well, in order to do that, you have to have millions of years and those millions of years are said to be scientifically, a scientific fact. Well, if you say that those are scientific fact, that puts Christians in a place where it says, so how do we as Christians uh, account for right. all these millions of years of life and billions of years of earth mm-hmm. uh, or universe? And uh, if the earth is and the universe is billions of years old, four, five, six billion years old, and life has been on the earth for half a billion years uh, in its simple forms, if that's the way it worked, how do we account for all those years. And that has pushed Christians into about four different theories about how the eons of, of, of leaded for evolution fit into the Bible and into the account of creation. Right, yeah. So in this case, what you have is you have the people that are saying, here's the hundreds of millions of years that it took for evolution in its processes to get us where we are today. We're going to take what is said in Genesis to be a six-day account of creation and try to fit that and to say, no, it's actually not six days. Right. It was actually something different. Right. So, and that's all pushed by the narrative that the earth is billions of years old and, earth and life has been here for millions of years. So if you concede to that and say, okay, we accept that as true, then how does that fit with the Bible? Bible, right. So maybe it would be helpful to just kind of walk through some of those theories. I think there are okay, yes. four major theories that we're kind of going to touch on here. Right. So. Uh, what uh, what are those well, one theories? Of the, one of the earliest attempts to try to reconcile the numbers that are given to us by evolution and the numbers that are given to us by the Bible was called a gap theory. That is, in Genesis 1, 1, it said, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, verse 2, and the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. The gap theory says that Genesis 1, 1 was an original creation, and Genesis 1, 2, and there was darkness upon the face of the deep, and the earth was about form and void and darkness on the face of the deep, that between Genesis 1, 1 and 1, 2 was a judgment. The theory says, just kind of take it from the beginning, it says God created the world billions of years ago. Right. It was ruled by Satan, who was a good angel at the time. He was he was Lucifer, a good angel. And that Satan fell, and when he fell, 
God destroyed the original earth, and that's what you see in Genesis 1-2. That would be their argument. And so that between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2 is a gap of millions Mm -hmm. or billions of years that was a old earth that Satan ruled over, where dinosaurs lived, cavemen lived, trilobites lived, brachiopods lived, all these things you find in the fossil record, mammoths, all those things, that current modern life forms didn't live in that time. The dinosaurs lived during that time. And then there was a flood, destroyed the whole earth. God started over with Adam and Eve, and that gave us modern earth. Uh, and uh, then you have a second flood down the road. So, yeah. And so they're saying that they just kind of see a gap between 1-1 one, one and 1-2 one, and say billions of years. Took uh, place between took, Yeah. Which is a pretty, from just a biblical interpretation standpoint, is pretty tortured interpretation. Yeah, no one, of, would, have, uh, no one would have come up with that <laughs> argument, with that idea, um, if they didn't have someone putting pressure on them saying, well, what, how do you count for millions of years or right. billions of years? That, that seems to be a case study in what we would, in the biblical interpretation world, call eisegesis, which is reading in yeah, something yeah. that isn't there in order to get it to say what you want yeah. it to say. So there's than... a, there's some real problems with it besides the obvious shoehorning of billions of years in between right. two verses. Uh, but exegetically, I mean, just how does grammar work when it says, in the beginning, God created heavens, the earth, and the earth was without form and void. If I said, I made my grandkids eggs for breakfast, and then I made them scrambled eggs. Well, those are two separate acts separated by a gap. Right. But if I say, I made my grandkids eggs for breakfast and they were scrambled. Well, then the second statement is describing the first. Well, that's what you have in Genesis 1. And that's the Hebrew construction. Hebrew does the same thing as English in that. If you use that construction, the second and the earth was without form and void is simply describing how the original creation looked. That when God created, he created it without shaping it. He hadn't put the contours to it yet. It was formless and it was empty, didn't have life in it yet. So it's a it's a real tortured interpretation. And then you have a problem of, well, then you have death, millions <laughs> and billions, millions of years of death before Adam and Eve ever came upon the earth. Yeah. And God said that all death on the earth was a result of Adam and Eve's sin or in the universe. Mm-hmm. And um, so you have that problem. You have um, cavemen who seem to be soulless creatures roaming the earth and yeah. uh, that are pre-Adam. And right. uh, so it's it's got a lot of problems. Yeah, just very interesting. Yeah. Then, of course, there's the day-age theory too, right? That's Correct. kind of the next, I think, sort of iteration of... Yep. And someone looked at the text and said, well, there was these six days, but maybe like there's a day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is not a 24-hour period of time. It's a it's an extended period of time. And so maybe these days were just... Maybe it's telling us how God created the world in six eons of time. Right. Uh, and that those eons were millions and millions of years long. And so when God said in the beginning, God created the heavens, the earth, well, that could have happened billions of years ago. Then over the next few million years, he separated earth and the water. And then he created firmament. And this whole thing happened by a natural process over billions of years. And that each day is not a 24-hour period of time. It's a eon of time. Mm-hmm. Again, you have logical and theological problems. Right. <laughs> uh, logical problem, the sun isn't created till day four. Right. But before that, you have, you know, 
you have light and... <laughs> and if the Bible account is correct and you're saying, well, this tells you how the earth was formed by natural processes over eons of time, you don't have a supernatural God stepping in and keeping the earth warm. It has to be warmed by some natural process. And you've got an earth that is covered with water yeah. without a sun. And you have the sun showing up on day four, but you have plants on the earth before the sun shows up. And how in the world did that happen? How did photosynthesis happen for plants before there was a sun if there was no creator God making these things work? You have uh, insects showing up after plants. How did plants pollinate if there were no insects? I mean, it's just you get these logical problems. And again, you have death and the earth is a graveyard, if this is true, for millions of years before Adam and Eve show up at the end Once of Once again, yeah. You have cavemen who don't have souls, and then suddenly a guy gets... How did the guy Adam get a soul in a natural process? How did people become soul beings uh, in this... It's just, it's, it's just a lot of theological problems. And of course, Jesus took it, uh, all these things at face value, and he quoted these passages without making them allegories. That's the other issue I think you run into with this, right? Is like, well, if this is like allegorical or something like that, where... Does the allegory end? You yeah, know, where does like, the allegory does stop? It, does it end with Adam and Eve? Does it end with, uh, you know, the flood, Babel? I mean, like, I mean, where... I was mean, there an Adam? Was yeah. there an Eve? Was there a garden? Was there a fall? Was there... Or is all this just a story telling us that we got a problem? Yeah. You know. And um, that's, uh, I mean, that's yeah. just... It seems to go against, you know, how Jesus and Peter and Paul... Yeah, Jesus quoted these passages and talked about Adam and Eve and marriage, and he quoted them as being true. And so the day-age theory, the next one, the theistic evolution. Yeah, that's the third one. Yeah, third one is theistic evolution, which says that God used evolution to create the world. It's kind of God wound up an evolutionary clock, set it going, and walked away and let evolution do its job. That used to be called deism, uh, that God created the natural laws, walked away, and the clocks ran. This is another version of that, which is God winding up a clock of evolution, letting it go, letting it run. But uh, again, in order to make that work, the days of creation have to be eons of time. Right. And that has a exegetical or an interpretive problem in that whether you're in a day theory or a theistic evolution, when you make the days of Genesis 1 into long extended periods of time, you don't have any place in the Bible where days has a numerical statement in front of it. First day, second day, third day. It was evening and morning. It was the first day. Evening, morning, second day. We don't have any place in the Bible where put a number in front of it. First day, second day, third day. That kind of designation ever means anything other than 24-hour period of time right. in the rest of the Bible. And when he says in Exodus 20. In, yeah, 2011, in six days, plural, God created heaven, earth, and sea, and everything in them. We don't have any indication. We have nothing in the Bible that where the plural days ever means anything but 24-hour period of time. This would be a total unique use of the word and how the Hebrews used it. So the Hebrews right. had words for long extended periods of time, just right. like the Greeks did, but they didn't use those. They used a designation for a 24-hour period of time. Right. So it would have been different if they had said, if the Genesis account or Moses or anyone had said the day of creation, for example. Right. Like if it right. was something like that, you might be, oh exegetically, you might have some right. evidence for that, but because they put the number designator right. with it. And theistic evolution has the same problem that day-age theory has in that there was death on the earth before Adam and Eve. Right. Fossil record is supposed to be a record of evolution. Fossil record is a graveyard. Mm -hmm. uh, that's death encapsulated in stone. So death had to be on the earth and, and evolutionary models for, for millions of years before Adam and Eve show up. Uh, that's a theological problem when God says, no, death happened as a result of man's sin. 
And then you have all the scientific problems of evolution with theistic evolution. You have the same problems in that there is no evidence in the fossil record or anywhere else that life branches into trees. Darwin's theory was that life would pursue up a trunk, would branch right and left by variations chosen by natural selection and produce uh, produce a variation that would be distinct enough to be a different life form and that that life form would change again and would branch again and it would branch again and it would branch again. And the fossil record is stubbornly uncooperative <laughs> with that model. Yeah. We never have found that to be true. The life runs in lanes and it will have variation within the lane. Right. You can get chihuahuas and you can get Great Danes, but you can't get a dog which is morphing to a goat. Right. You don't get a doat. You, you know, you, you don't... <laughs> New creature for my nightmares. <laughs> yeah, you don't get that. There are lanes and if something gets too far off of that track... If we try to manipulate it, it becomes sterile and dies. Like when you try to make a donkey and a horse mate, if it gets too far off, it becomes a sterile creature and mm -hmm. can't reproduce. Uh, so there is nothing in the in the evolutionary model, and there's no support for it in the fossil record. It's absent, and it is embarrassingly absent. And when life appears, it's supposed to appear in the evolutionary model. In the Cambrian age, it's supposed to have a Precambrian, which is lowest level than the Cambrian. When it moves from simple life to complex life, there's supposed to be hundreds and hundreds of variations that would show how it moved from the simple life to the complex life. It's absent. I mean, it has been, we have reached into that barrel for what, 200 years, 150 years, whatever, right, uh, 200 years, I guess, and uh, or more now, and we always find the same thing. Life follows in lanes. It doesn't branch. There are no transitional life forms. It doesn't branch, and that's a problem for, for evolution, and it's a problem for theistic evolution. So theistic evolution has logical problems, has theological problems, and has interpretive problems. That is, if you interpreted John 3.16 the same way you interpreted Genesis to get evolution, <laughs> you know, no one would know how to become a say, Christian. You would no be in one big trouble. Just yeah. throw out the Bible. Yeah. So so what I'm hearing you saying is my dreams of becoming like a pterodactyl are uh, You're yeah, probably not impossible. going to, you know, <laughs> chaos theory is alive and well, but it won't get you there, I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, so as an alternative to that, if you read Scripture and you take it, particularly in the Genesis account at face value, and you say, okay, we're left with, here are six literal days. Correct. What, what do you Well, if you, you put that, that model together, what you end up with is God creating the world in six 24-hour periods of time. In six days, God created heaven, earth, and sea, and all that in them is, he says, in Genesis, or in Exodus 2011. And that would mean, therefore, that the start of life and the proliferation of life was a supernatural act, and that the laws of nature were created at that time, space was created at that time, that time was created for us to function within, that human beings were created with a rational ability so we could have podcasts and understand yeah. um, <laughs> And because we were, were made to reflect a, a God who has a mind, it would mean that the world is not just a material world, it is material and immaterial, and that all that happened was by a, a series of creative acts that took six days and then God rested and he used that as a model. He could have done it in one day, of course he could have, but he did it, use it as a model to show us, look, work six, rest one, you need to have time to reconstitute yourself. I'm giving you a model, do this because, not because I need it, but because you need it. Yeah. So if that's the case, if that's the case, then we as 
creationists, as people who look at the world, uh, that God created the world and that the Bible's telling us the truth, a creationist then has to answer the question, well, how old is the earth anyway? Yeah. If the evolutionist is true and carbon dating and radioactive dating is telling us that the earth is billions of years old and life has been around for millions of years, how do we as cre- as a creationist account for that? What right. happens to those millions of years? Are the millions of years there or is that <laughs> a necessity for evolution but not, not a necessity for science? Right, yeah. So like in other words, the folks that are getting that data and saying the earth is this old and life is this old are interpreting the data incorrectly. Yeah. I think most of us are assuming when we look at the Bible that we don't have an option of saying the earth is not that old, that science has determined it. It's settled. Science has determined it. Well, science has not determined it. Science has declared it, but it hasn't determined it. You can date the earth in lots of different ways, like if you dated the earth by the amount of salt in the ocean Mm -hmm. and said it was billions of years old, Mm -hmm. we would have a salt lake. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it would not be, we would not have a salty ocean. We would have a body of salt, you know, but yeah. there's, there's lots of ways you can date the earth. But the ones that are used most commonly today to intimidate and to try to corner Christians and say, look, this fossils is millions of years old. We, we did carbon dating on it. Well, carbon dating runs out at 50,000 years. Mm-hmm. And by a hundred thousand years, you shouldn't have any carbon-14 in a dead cell. It's its something once lived, but now it's dead. And there, the carbon-14 depletes in it at a regular rate. And by 100,000 years, you shouldn't have any carbon-14 in it. But coal, for example, that is supposed to be millions of years old, has carbon-14 in it. Well, how did that happen? Yeah. Well, either the coal is not as old as you say, or some weird thing happened. Um, well, mysteries. Yeah, <laughs> and if these if these dating processes are as are as exact as you would think, you'd say, well, I think we use potassium argon dating, and we get an exact date. Well, that's not true. You get a range of dates. You get a range of dates from say two hundred fifty thousand years to two point five million years. That's no a, small number. <laughs> that's a big. That's a big range. So, so those are not exact dates, but we can come back and talk about that a little more to to give some clarity on how that works. But just as a as a tease, yeah. for example, <laughs> here just as a tease, they they took a rock that had a fossil in it and examined the rock and the fossil, and the carbon fourteen dating said it was forty five thousand years old, and the potassium argon dating it said it was. 45 million years old. This is the same rock. Mm-hmm. Two different systems gave 45,000 years and 45 million years using the same supposedly accurate Data defined methods, yeah. way of dating. Mm-hmm. So anyway, long story short, probably we could come back and talk about how dating happens and there'll be at least five people who'll be interested in that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> but the, the short story is that there's a lot of problems with carbon-14 and and radioactive dating, uh, and we can unpack that a little bit later. Right. And so we, we, we don't have to be super afraid that, you know, scientists determine the Earth is billions of years old. Like that's, yes. well, that may not be as true as people want to. Yeah. In short, there is a bias in science that says, what number do you need? And let's do a test until we find that number. And you would like to think that that doesn't happen, but that is a question on every piece of material that is turned in to be dated. What date do you do you think this is? And then they test and get a range of dates, and they say these are bad dates, these are good dates. So it is it is not like you put it in, it reads it, and it tells you how old it is. 
and said it happened on a Thursday five million years ago. <laughs> yeah. It is not like that. And we can uh, we could do a little bit more on explaining how it works for those who are curious. But there's multiple ways of dating the Earth, and the carbon-14 and radioactive dating are not exact sciences, and they don't give us they don't give us the kind of precision that we're asked to believe they right. do. Right. Well, that was a fun topic. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All the things you wanted to know and never thought Everything, to ask. Yes, about your uh, creation theories and all that. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, no, thank you, Steve, for uh, taking the time to uh, share yeah. some of that with us. And you may be one of those five people that has a question about this and you want to maybe, you know, maybe you want to engage us in rigorous debate about one of these things. <laughs> you know, if you have a question or anything like that, you can shoot it to Horizon. Uh, no, not Horizon. Podcast at horizonschurch.net. That's the go. one you want to send it to. And uh, we uh, we might be able to engage with that next week. We might come back here and talk a little more about the the dating methods. Yes, if if hundreds of people say please don't, we won't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. like do something else. Like yeah, yeah, you can come and check out the stolen sermon series, and that'll that'll fill your bucket. So uh, thanks as always for uh, tuning in, and uh, don't forget, you know, if you want to leave an honest five star review in the iTunes Store, that'd be great. So uh, thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll uh, see you next time. Mm-hmm.